Hey guys, this is Tim Daniel, or when Kyle and Ben produce, you'll know me as Producer Tim. Just wanted to touch base real quick before we put up this excellent episode that Kyle and Ben did doing the Spurs preview with Pounding the Rocks, Colton Chumbly. Those who podcast on a regular basis know that sometimes servers are an asshole, and they really mess with your audio. So I want to let you guys know for a warning, there's a rough, rough, rough echo to start this show. I tried everything I could to get rid of it, but it wasn't working. Um, please just try to bear with it, and please don't let like, this be the episode that you give us a five, a little bit of a bad review on, because we worked really hard on this show. Ben and Kyle still give an excellent, excellent interview, so please, 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 please check it out. It's really good. They had a great show. Uh, without further ado, Kyle Brand is going to take this over with Ben Brown talking Spurs. Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Whoa, boom, shakalaka. You wanted to come with it, done it, we got her with punishment. Nothing to stop with it, but they hear the what we coming with. Others in love with the drug and this family just running it. Long as the public is coming, then we keep them loving it. Welcome to 48 Minutes, brought to you by 48minutes.com, network.com, brought to you on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. I'm Kyle Brandon, here with my better half, as always, Ben Brown. You're so complimentary. Thank you, my man. How's it going, my brother? It's going well, man. I have a I have a big Ben shirt on. Oh, it is. It's beautiful too. And I'm demanding that there's a gong or a big Ben Wallace uh, reference slid in. So that's on producer Tim right here. We need a gong too. Yes. Uh, but we are joined today by our new friend Colton Chumley. Colton, how you doing, my man? Doing great, brother. Appreciate you guys having me. No, thanks for thanks for coming on, man. Uh, Colton is a contributor on SB Nation's Pounding the Rock. Colton, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started, and uh, what your background is. Oh, absolutely, brother. Well, yeah, man, I originally got my start writing uh, with uh, the Fan Sided Network. Uh, wrote for, covered uh, Texas A&M Sports for a while, and uh, then I harassed our uh, editor-in-chief, J.R. Wilco, enough to, uh, you know, let me hop on and, you know, start bringing some heat for Pounding the Rock, man. And so ever since then, it's kind of just uh, gone, been going full speed, man, and uh, covering the Spurs. And re- really my, my main focus is a lot of times is uh, the analytical aspect and okay. try, try, trying to see how a player projects and, you know, looking at things like footwork and the mechanics on their jump shot, things like that. Uh, my background was originally in coaching. And, uh, you know, slowly but surely I started phasing out. Now I'm, uh, you know, full-time rider, so... Okay. Fired up to, you know, really begin this journey, man. Well, that's, that's awesome, awesome man. man. Uh, speaking, speaking of, of uh, Spurs and coaching and philosophy, uh, Greg Popovich is one of my favorite coaches. Uh, he, and year in and year out, he just, I mean, puts teams on the floor that are just always compete. They're always ready to go. What What is Pop's philosophy? I mean, I know you've been around them and you've been writing for them. What's his philosophy? How does he constantly create winners? You know, uh, obviously he's a hard-nosed guy. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, comes from a pretty tough background going through the Air Force and 
uh, coaching in those ranks for a while as well. Um, you know, he, like you said, he really demands excellence, but it's not, not only that, he demands uh, his guys to buy in. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of individuality with the Spurs. Um, it's, it's really a team over the individual and I think that's what's really allowed that organization, or really as what uh, R.C. Buford, the general manager, calls it, the program. He, that's what allowed that program to really flourish over the past, you know, what are we looking at, 20 consecutive 20. years of making the playoffs? At least 20 plus, plus. absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, why don't you think other coaches are kind of copying him, or why haven't they had the same success that he has had? You know, that's tough, man. I think uh, in professional sports, a lot of times it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, you know, okay. falling into two number one draft picks with guys with the, the, the demeanor like Tim Duncan and David Robinson or right. Manu Ginobili, um, you know, that, that doesn't happen, uh, you know, a lot of places, man. San Antonio got very fortunate in that regard. But, uh, you know, I think those two guys really were the foundation. And, you know, when they bring in cats from free agency or trades or what have you, they look and they see how those guys who they're all NBA type players, they're MVP candidates, they're future, you know, surefire hall of famers. And they see them fall in line. um, And, you know, pop's going to chew somebody's ass out in practice, no matter who it is. And and I think that that goes a long way. And not a whole lot of coaches are really able to get away with that. I think, especially in today's uh, generation, you know, having millennial superstars, so to speak, um, Mm -hmm. It's you know it's really hard for young coaches to really uh, relate to players in that way. Yeah, Carl yeah. uh, Anthony Towns comes to mind. Uh, Kuzma and Lonzo Ball come to mind. No question. Um, so I, I definitely, I definitely understand what you're saying there. there. Now, now you you bring up the good draft picks. Uh, it seems like organizationally they have everything going for them. They're assistant coaches. They're trainers. They're ever. I mean, they're equipment coaches. Are all trying to be scouted by every team in the NBA. Uh, I mean, they're just picking these excellent players later in the draft, uh, figuring out the Kawhi Leonard is going to be a generational player, swapping for him when he was at what fifteen or sixteen. That's right. It just seems like they have such a good grasp on talent, managing it, spotting it, everything. If you had to choose, Pop or RC? Oh who, man! Who would <laughs> take yeah. go twenty years back? <laughs> you only get one. <laughs> Put me on the spot there, man. Uh, you know it's it's crazy because I really think uh, they're a match made in heaven, dude. Uh, yeah. You, you know, uh, I think that there may not be one without the other. I know that's a little okay. bit of a cop out, but uh, no, no, you, you know, man, I think uh, there's a reason that, like you said, you're seeing their coaching staff and their scouts getting poached off all around the league and. It's funny, uh, a lot of uh, my friends, they call uh, RC the godfather because <laughs> you just see these guys who are ingrained in the Spurs system. I mean, Sean Marks was really one of the lower men on the totem pole, and he got hired as the GM for Brooklyn. Right. Um, right. You know, Jock Vaughn is another guy that comes to mind who actually played for Pop, won a championship for the Spurs in 07. Uh, I believe he was a second or third assistant off the bench, and the Magic hired him outright to be their head coach. So, and you know, another guy who's going to come to mind, obviously everybody's talking about Becky Hammond because she's sort of transcending that, uh, that real gender yeah, gap yeah, in the coaching ranks. But Ime uh, Udoka, who's another guy who played for Pop and won a championship with him, 
Um, he's a guy who I see being a head coach in the very near future as well. So there's obviously, you know, something in the water, man. Uh, there's, there's just something that really, um, you know, the league is trying to copycat and emulate as much as they possibly can. So they're trying to, you know, can't beat them, join them philosophy, I guess. Right, absolutely. Well, another big one out of that, too, is that people don't really think about is Steve Kerr. Oh, absolutely. Kerr was a guy who played for Pop later later on in his career. Um, I believe he coached there, and now you're seeing the success that he's having with Golden State. But he has the same thing. Even though he has talented players, you can see that he is in control. I mean, he is the guy that's running that ship. So um, you can see Pop's touch on guys that have been under him in the league all over the place. So it's... That's, That's a really, a really cool, cool thing, thing to see as far as his, his coaching ranks and his coaching tree, where guys are not that. Oh, no question, man. And, you know, it's not only just the guys who are to get in different positions or anything like that. It's guys that are succeeding, like Steve Kerr has. And a lot of people forget uh, Kerr was successful way before this. A lot of people only remember him as you know, the TNT analyst or whatever the hell he was doing. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he was a catalyst, um, you know, putting together that semi-dynasty in Phoenix. With uh, Nash and Stonemeyer. So, you know, I mean, he was doing big things there before that. So, um, there's no question. Uh, there's just a wealth of basketball knowledge uh, down in the Alamo City, man. How how long is Pop going to keep it going? Because well, last year, just the end of the season, um, in the playoffs and everything, we know the, the heartbreaking story with Pop. Um, it was devastating to watch. I mean, I'm a Pistons fan, and... I don't know, like, broke my heart to watch this legendary, awesome dude go through that. And I just wonder, like, how much more does he have? Yeah, man, uh, you know, definitely it was a tumultuous year um, in San Antonio. Something that was just shocking to see from an organization who has just conducted themselves with nothing but excellence for the last 20 years, like we were saying. Um, But, you know, he signed on it. He signed an extension. Um, He's, I believe he signed that two years ago. Uh, he's also, you know, obviously locked in to coach uh, Team USA. Right. Um, so, you know, I think this is all that Pop knows. I, I think uh, he's a creature of habit, obviously. Um, so, you know, it, it's really hard for me to see him step away. He's still relatively in pretty good health, uh, despite, you know, drinking every bottle of wine at his disposal <laughs> in San Antonio, as, you know, a lot of people know. But, uh, you know, I, I think I think this is his life, man. And, you know, uh, it was really cool seeing uh, him – coach with uh, Team USA recently with their training camp, I think it was in Vegas, uh, just a few days ago, and seeing him interact with guys and laughing, uh, you know, that video went viral of him boxing out DeMar DeRozan and, you know, a couple other guys that were there, so, uh, you know, I I think he still enjoys it, you know, and I think as long as he still has that fire to get up and go, uh, you know, I see him doing it for as long as he possibly can, I mean, shit, man, you look at Larry Brown. And what uh, he's doing right now. I mean, that dude's like 85, I think. He's coaching at SMU. So, Right. Uh, So do you think Pop still having more in him was a big driver in this Kawhi trade? Uh, You know, uh, no question. Um, You know, obviously what that trade does, and, you know, we'll break that down here in a little bit, but is it, it keeps you competitive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pop's turning 69 years old. I think he wants absolutely nothing to do with a rebuild at this stage of his career. Mm-hmm. And I think the trade's evidence of that. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of moving pieces that are going to have to fall in place uh, that will determine where exactly this team's going to fall in the standings and how they really fare mm-hmm. after that trade. But, I mean, it, it sends a pretty clear message to the rest of the league that, 
you know, we have no interest in, uh, you know, fishing in the lottery. Right. right. And it's and not it's as not easy, easy as just lose a couple, couple games, games, draft, draft the, the next, next Tim, Tim Duncan, Duncan, and do it again. again. I mean, it's, it's not. not. No, yeah, it was. was every team, right. you know, yeah, I mean, would, would be back up on top, and we just see teams continue to fail, and no one having that success like the Spurs. So it's really not as easy as just – Calling it quits for a season or two, and you know, getting more players and building. Oh yeah, no question, man. I think a lot of people think uh, they look at rebuilding and they say, "Oh, you know, we'll suck for three years, and you know, we'll be back on top by year number four. You know, that's just not how it works anymore, man. Right. Like you said, there's so much that goes into it in terms of scouting, in terms of developing talent, and then just putting a roster together that complements everybody. Right. Right. So looking at your roster. Um, what do you think is the the ceiling for this team? What do you think is where they can reach? I mean, you traded, you know, got like Kawhi who's done it all, um, and he's you know been a, a all pro and all star. I mean, what is what's the you know you bring in DeRozan? What do you think this team can do? I mean, you still of course have a really good Lamarcus Aldridge. You know, Paul Gasol is aging. Um, you've got some other guys that are aging there, managed notably. Uh, but you also got some young talent, Bellinelli, um, and, you know, guys like that. So what do you guys think is the ceiling for the Spurs? Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, obviously, speaking of Ginobili, it was reported just recently that uh, he's expected to return. Uh, so he'll still be hooping at the Oof. age of 41, which is man. pretty badass, man. I'll I, I tell you what. I, I mean, I'm, I'm close to that age. And I, don't <laughs> I should have got, got my driveway sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my guy's still playing at a high level. Dude, I feel you, dude. I, you know, I was me and my buddies were talking the other day. We used to hoop for, you know, three hours a day. And now after about 45 minutes, we're crying for a Heineken and a cupcake. So right. <laughs> I feel you. But, uh, no, man, you know, I think uh, there is surprisingly a lot of optimism uh, around the front office right now. Obviously, like you said, there's never a good time to part ways with a top five player. But I really believe that uh, Pop and RC are sort of high-fiving, you know, uh, behind closed doors right now, uh, you know, after they got that thing done. Not only were you able to get out of an incredibly toxic situation that really uh, was a major distraction for over half the season, um, you know, you're able to part ways with a guy who in, my, uh, who, in my opinion, quit on your organization, and you're able to get an all-NBA-type talent back in return. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that's got to be considered a home run. Um, you know, when you have a guy who is an MVP candidate, uh, you can't let him walk out of the door and get nothing in, uh, in return. If yeah. that happens, you're virtually starting a rebuild at that point. And right. so uh, what I love about this trade, man, is uh, that it gives the Spurs some real firepower on the perimeter. And that was an area that this team really struggled um, in last last season. You know, they were uh, – it was a difficult time for them to space the floor and, and you know, get pro- uh, real production out of their wing. So obviously – uh, DeRozan isn't a knockdown shooter from deep, but what he can do is break down the defense. Uh, he can score at a high rate, and he can facilitate the basketball. So I think that uh, he and LaMarcus are really going to be able to complement each other's games in the pick and roll and the pip, uh, pick and pop and things like that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And they have two all-NBA players. I mean, three teams had it last year, the Warriors, the Wolves, and the Thunder. I mean, that is a... It, it's, it's a, a short, short list, list of teams, teams. Um, you know, you know, but, but it's, it's a, a it's a wide range, range there because you get the Warriors, Warriors uh, and you get OKC. Okay, I mean, 
I don't know. It, it, it seems, seems like, like it seems, it seems like, like a wide, wide range. range. Where is this team going to end up at the end of the season, though, the Spurs? Yeah, man, you know, it, it, it's tough because uh, you look at this roster and it still definitely has some shortcomings. Um, you know, right. per- perimeter defense is going to be a major issue. Uh, you can't get rid of a guy like Danny Green, who was second-team All-NBA defense past couple of years, and obviously Kawhi Leonard, who, in my opinion, is the best defender in the game. And not expect to take a, a you know a step back. Um, so perimeter defense is going to be a major issue. Um, but you know there's some really intriguing pieces like y'all mentioned um, that could really if, if everything gels well and this if this team is uh, you know able to hit the ground running. There's really no telling where they could end up. I could see them possibly being as high as a three seed. Uh, you okay. know it, it just all depends on how this team is going to gel. They they address some issues in the off season. Um, you know three point shooting and space in the floor was a major struggle. Um, and, you know, uh, having an athletic big man uh, was really something that they struggled with as well. And being able to add uh, Pirtle in that trade package uh, mm-hmm. around DeRozan was a big thing for them. You know, he's a guy who can protect the paints uh, defensively, and then he can finish really well at the rim on offense. So he's a guy who I think will see, uh, you know, significant minutes next season as well. Um, but, yeah, man, uh, to put a number on it, I, I think, you know, they could end up as high as, uh, you know, that three seed. This okay. sort of have a season similar to what Portland had last year, or they could be fighting to make the playoffs just like they did last season. You know, I think uh, it, it like, like I said earlier, it'd be very shocking to me to see them, um, you know, miss a playoff berth. Over or under forty-seven wins. Well, you know, when the line originally opened uh, on Bavada, I'm not going to lie to y'all, dude. I'm a little bit of a degenerate gambler, but um, <laughs> man, uh, the, the line originally opened at over under 40 and a half. So I threw, you know, oh, wow. 150 bucks on that immediately for the over. Yeah. Uh, 47, I think, is a pretty solid number, man. I think, okay. uh, you know, I think they're, they're most likely going to hit, uh, you know, some bumps in the road early on and maybe stumble a little bit out of the gate, something that we actually haven't seen out of a Spurs team in a while. Um, you know, last season they really started to struggle right after the All-Star break before they picked mm-hmm. it up, uh, you know, in April uh, to, you know, to ultimately get that last playoff push. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think, uh, man, I, I think tops, I see them at, you know, around 51, 52 wins. Okay. Uh, at the least, I see them around 45. So I, th- I okay. think that, that's I like a pretty that. good number on it. That's fair. Well, I would say, too, that Greg Popovich is going to bring wins. I mean, he doesn't know losing. So, I mean, for you to be 40 to 47, I mean, that's that's a good spot. I think Popovich is a guy that he rallies players to be at their best. So. Here's, here's my only problem with that, is that, especially in the West, there aren't these teams that you can take advantage of as much. Uh, maybe, maybe the Kings, I'll give it to you. Um, possibly the Clippers, probably the Suns. Um, but even those teams at the bottom are so much better than the bottom used to be of an NBA. No, no question. So I just don't think they're going to get as many easy wins where they're just going to outsmart the team, and that'll be the difference. I just don't think that they'll have as many. Um, so I think it'll be an interesting season. Yeah, man, you know, it's interesting. Though. That's a really good point because you look at those teams in the bottom of the West and like a team like Phoenix – how many lottery teams have a guy who scored 70 points in an NBA, uh, in an right, NBA game right, on their roster? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So uh, anything can happen when you have a guy that's as electric like that on the floor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, absolutely, it'll be interesting. There were, there were Some of those teams actually gave the Spurs trouble last season, which is why you saw them miss that 50-win uh, threshold for the first time in, I think it was 17 years. Wow. So, so going to the, the roster, roster – uh, to put, to put it, it super, super simple, simple 
I like your I like your guards. I don't like your wings, and your bigs seem old. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> if I had to write like a one sentence preview, that that is what I would write. Hit the nail on the head, man. But your guards, I really like them. It feels like Dejounte Murray is what like a Shea Gilgis Alexander could be kind of thing. Uh, I think people that like Shea should pay attention to Murray because I think he's got a similar build. Um, and I would like to see kind of how he pans out. Derek White was like an all-star in the summer league. That first week, he was like unstoppable. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, like, looked, the guy can light it up, man. There's no question. He looked like a man among boys. Really. He was like the Josh Hart of week one. Uh, Lonnie Walker looked good. Uh, I like him more at the two. I think yeah, originally, I agree with that. when they were talking about the draft, he was kind of a one-ish, which doesn't feel right to me, but I like him as a two. Yeah, uh, a lot of that has to do with his ball handling, man. You know, he was a yeah. guy at Miami who he constantly had the ball in his hand, so I think that's why a lot of teams might have scouted him at point guard, especially, yeah. uh, you know, nowadays when you're playing positionless basketball, so to speak. Um, you know, the size of the guard position isn't necessarily, uh, you know, a, a, a factor anymore. Yeah, and I thought you guys got a good a good pickup there. I mean, I thought he fell, I don't know, four or five spots past it. Then I thought he'd go. Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, man, I don't know if y'all seen that dude's hair, but like he's already like it's a great. legend in San Antonio. Great. Because <laughs> That's great. That's certainly. Sorry awesome. for betting. Yeah, man. Well, uh, you know, it, it's funny though. I was going to bring up Lonnie earlier. Um, you know, with Danny Green gone, a lot of pressure is going to be put on him to sort of skip the training wheels process and mm-hmm. get rolling a lot sooner than expected. Uh, you know, he's the guy who needs to be a contributor for this team next season. And, uh, He's obviously an interesting pro- uh, prospect just because of his background. Um, you know, he can really fly on the court, man. So he's got supreme athleticism. And his wingspan is what I think really makes him dynamic. Uh, you know, he has one of those Kawhi Leonard-type wingspans. Um, and I think that should allow him to, ve- to develop into a big-time defensive player. Uh, what I worry about with uh, Walker is how his game is going to adapt to the Spurs system. Like we just said, he's a guy who is used to having the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. He's used to playing in the pick and roll and attacking the rim. And really, he his shot selection was something that was a red flag for me before the yeah, draft began. Yeah, he could began. be a bit reckless. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he, had, he had a really green light uh, at Miami. There's no yeah. question. And so, uh, you know, as long as – what I really envision the guy as, you know, a lot of people – I think maybe because of his hair and because he played for a team like Miami, um, you know, he has a lot more hype than what, uh, you know, another guy would have, so to speak. Uh, I really, when I saw the pick, I envisioned him as the next Danny Green, another uh, 3 and D defender. And I think as long as he can develop that shot and be a consistent knockdown shooter, he's going to be fine at the next level because athletically, the dude's got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a freak athletically. So, so how, how much, much playing time does he get this year? That's interesting, man, uh, because Pop is a guy who, besides really Dewan Blair, who I don't know if y'all remember him, uh, you know, six foot eight big man mm-hmm. out of Pitt. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, he had a couple of nice seasons with the Spurs and then flamed out. But other than uh, Blair, that's really the last rookie I can remember getting significant burn. I mean, yeah, Kawhi 
played quite a bit, but Kawhi's a different animal. I mean, they, right. I think they knew what they had in Kawhi from day one. But just, uh, you know, a normal late-round draft pick, uh, I can't think of a guy who really got major minutes. I mean, George Hill played a little bit in that first year. Uh, but even he, I mean, he was, you know, seventh or eighth man off the bench a lot of, a lot of times in his rookie season. So it'll be interesting. Uh, obviously, we're pretty, pretty uh, don't, don't have a lot of depth at the two this year. Um, you know, they brought in Marco Bellinelli to add a little bit of uh, depth at, at the two. But, um, and, yeah, obviously he's a veteran sharpshooter. He's got mm-hmm. some championship experience from his last stop in San Antonio. And, um, you know, he's a clutch playmaker. You know, he can space the floor, which was a struggle last year. But that guy hasn't been able to stand in front of a defender in his entire career. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and dude, like, I love Marco, but, I mean, he is as flat-footed of a guard as you can get. And so I think that's, like I said, I mean, the the opportunity is there for Walker to step up and be able to contribute immediately. So it's just going to be kind of how quick he's able to, you know, pick up the game and, you know, make as few mistakes as possible. Yeah, Yeah. and I'm sure sure he'll... Shadow, Shadow uh, Manu, Manu for, a for a little bit, bit and that'll be that'll good, be good for, him. for him. Uh, I mean, Manu, Manu has, has like 85 years of experience or whatever it is. So <laughs> just, just, just being around him, I'm sure will teach him how to be a, a professional, professional, which will be good, good for him. Maybe give him a little bit of his hair as well. That's it. That perfect Euro stuff. So going to the bigs. Picked up Jakob Portal. That's, that's that's a that's good, good pickup for you guys, guys as far as depth goes. Is it Portal or Purtle, man? I, the, Purtle. That dude, Purtle. No, it's Purtle. That that it's is as confusing it's as hell, Purtle. man. Like there's no R in it. There's no R. Right. Yeah, like, like I could have sworn yeah. I heard in the yeah. first press conference, uh, Pop spelled or like um, now uh, pronounced it like P U R T L E. Like oh, it is P U R. That is right. I said it wrong. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Uh, uh, but again, but again there's, there's no R in there. For anyone that's keeping score. score. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Uh, uh, so they picked so up Purtle. Purtle. Uh, picked uh, him up. And Purtle. I'm assuming he'll get some playing time. LaMarcus, is this his year? He's kind of had a weird run with the Spurs. Yeah, he has. He has. You know, obviously started out, it was a tough go for him to really adapt to the system. I mean, he was used to getting the ball every single possession down the floor uh, when him and Damian Lillard were teaming up in Portland right. and obviously put together some elite seasons. I mean, LaMarcus was a hell of a ball player back then. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously a UT grad, so I don't want to give him too much uh, credit for you know, being an <laughs> right. or whatnot. But, um, nah, man, uh, it, it, was a, it was a tough go for him. A lot of uh, people in San Antonio wanted him out after uh, that shortcoming. You know, Kawhi went down uh, two seasons ago in the playoffs after the Zaza play. And, uh, you know, a lot of people expected uh, L.A. to step up, and he just didn't. Uh, you know, he was missing point Blake layups. Um, he was getting out-rebounded. I mean, he just was a shell of himself. And so uh, it was really – it was uh, an offseason where he had to go back and really reflect and, and change some things. And, obviously, him and Pop had a fantastic talk, and he signed a five-year extension, I believe. Which and I was so, surprised about. Oh, because yeah. he had such a bad time there. Uh, I thought he was surely on his way out. Well, uh, you know, a lot of people did. And uh, then they had that talk. And you look at the season he put up when he had zero help, essentially, man. Uh, you ha- he ha- surrounded a post player with zero three-point shooters on that team last year. You had a streaky Danny Green, a Patty Mills who was playing way too many minutes. Um, you know, and really until Rudy Gay got healthy, they didn't have – 
a reliable knockdown three-point shooter, right. uh, so to speak, who played major minutes. And so uh, for him to be able to put up, I think his line was 25-12 and 12 last season, in the midst of facing constant double teams and, you know, being the only reliable scoring option where we can say, hey, go get a bucket, uh, I think uh, that speaks volumes for the type of player that he is and that really the type of professional that he is. Because you see a lot of guys really uh, succumb to that pressure. And yeah, so he did not. Do you see – I mean, everyone's talking about Kevin Love. Everyone's talking about how Kevin Love is going to be the guy this year. Um, he's the guy on the team. It felt like LaMarcus wasn't the guy on the team with Kawhi there. Do you think LaMarcus has similar season like Kevin Love? Uh, which, I mean, 25 points last year is nothing to uh, to wag your finger at. Uh, but do you think he has, like, that old LaMarcus season again? You know, uh, I actually am really excited for LaMarcus. I think that him and DeRozan are going to be uh, – they're really going to complement each other's games, man. I, I don't necessarily think that Kawhi and LaMarcus were the best tandem. Uh, Kawhi's not particularly a, a pick-and-roll type guy. Uh, he likes to post up a little bit. He likes to really – um, isolate and DeRozan on the other end. Yes, he, he's an isolation scorer, but he can also thrive in the pick and roll. I mean, a lot of people don't recognize he averaged five assists last year uh, playing with Kyle Lowry in the same yeah. backcourt. So, I mean, that, that's definitely impressive. Um, so, I think that the two of them are going to be able to have a little bit of yin and yang and, and really uh, get things rolling offensively for the Spurs next year. Wow, I did not know that. LaMarcus Aldridge is 33. I did not, he did not seem like he's been in the league that long. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know I'm pretty sure he was a one-and-done or he might have left after his sophomore year at Texas. Yeah. So he's been in the league for a minute, man, um, which is another reason. You know, we talked about the whole rebuilding thing. Um, when you have a superstar on the latter end of his career, you know mm-hmm. damn well he wants no part of a rebuild as well. Absolutely. You know, he's in it to win it, so. The DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge at this point in their career feels more like Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade in Miami after LeBron left. This, that's kind of the only thing I could equate it to where you have the two guard. Um, it's not a world beater. It's a shooter. You got kind of an older big that's a role player that used to be a star on his old team. Uh, so I'm going to be interested to, to see how they gel together. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty fair comparison. Or I mean, a comparison. Um, you know, the only difference there is I think that DeRozan is a twice athlete that Dwayne Wade was. You know, at the end of that, uh, you know, the Heatles era. Uh, oh yeah, that's you know, right. he, he's only twenty nine and he still can fly to the rim and get up there. Still, you know, big time athlete. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, that Bosch and and the Marcus uh, comparison is pretty pretty spot on, man. All right, so Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> the dust, the dust is settled. settled. <laughs> if you were to put a grade on the trade for the Spurs, what is it? You know, oh man, it's tough. Uh, it's really tough. I'm I go back and forth. I'm so much, almost daily. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of people do. Um, you know, uh, partly, you know, being a Spurs fan my entire life, you know, interacting with Spurs fans every day on, you know, whatever is Twitter or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, I think a lot of people are more upset about losing Danny Green than they are Kawhi Leonard at that it's point. Understandable. <laughs> uh, I mean, dude, you know, he's a he was a community guy. Uh, he loved he loved the city of San Antonio. He embraced it after they gave him a shot out of North Carolina, and uh, so you know, losing him was really similar to seeing Tony Parker leaving free agency. Um, so that 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 was definitely a big blow. But uh, you know, like I said, man, I think. Uh, 
I think it, it was, it's what's best. I think it was absolutely the best offer they had on the table, um, so, which is why I think once it was offered, the Spurs did anything they could uh, to make it work. That's why they threw in a guy like Danny. I'm um, shocked to hear that that's the best, best offer they had. I am. And that's no disrespect to DeMar or anything like that. I just I thought we were talking like had to be multiple picks from L.A., had to be multiple picks from Boston, had to be multiple from the Sixers, and it had to be like a prospect that was drafted in the top five in the last few years when we were talking about Ingram, Fultz, um, Jalen Brown, all these people. I thought it was going to be someone that was younger than Kawhi on a cheaper contract than Kawhi. And, and like, like a, a lock for two first-round picks. Yeah, so um, you when know, man, someone that's older on a more expensive contract with a pretty weak pick. My initial reaction yeah. was it wasn't enough. Yeah, I, yeah. I go back and forth. You know, um, I think the offers really dried up once uh, Kawhi and his camp said, "Hey, we're going to LA no matter what." Right. You know, right. and so Magic Johnson really played this well because, I mean, why give up young assets and a guy like Kuzma, a guy like Brandon Ingram, oh, yeah. when Kawhi's going to walk to you in free agency? Um, yeah. You know, the, the, that, that is a foregone conclusion. Um, you know, he turned down – he literally lost $100 million in this deal. Right. A lot of people don't realize that the Spurs could have offered him a $221 million extension, which is $80 million more than any other team. On top of that, he walked away from endorsement money from Jordan this past year with his right. camp, you know, kind of contr- calling the shots. Uh, that deal was worth 20 mil. So he legitimately walked away from $100 million in order to go and eventually play in L.A. So, um, you know, I, I think the Mag- I think uh, Magic uh, really, really played his hand pretty well here. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and that's, that's, and that's, that's the reason that, that I, I go, go back, back on it. <laughs> uh, and, and then I'm, I'm fine, fine with, with it. it, you know, it, it seems, it seems like, like a, a pretty, pretty good, good trade, trade for both sides. sides. Pretty, pretty good. good. Definitely. That's, that's, that's kind of where I land on it. It does seem like the Lakers won the trade, trade though. though. <laughs> yeah. By, by just sitting. Just, just by sitting. Uh, is Kawhi going, going to the Lakers, the Lakers for sure? For sure? I would say so, man. Uh, it, it, would, it would really shock me if not. Um, you know, I have a few people that, um, you know, are kind of close to the organization and you know, brush shoulders with his uncle, and I think that's really been the goal for a while. Um, it, it, it's just really strange because his career didn't start out like this, obviously. He was, he's always been a mild-mannered kid. Yeah. He had an agent in place, and, uh, you know, ultimately he led his uncle, who's really been a father figure to him after he lost his dad early on uh, uh, in his high school uh, career. Mm-hmm. Um, really kind of take the reins and, and drive everything, from what I understand, and... Um, you know, uh, he, he's really manipulated the situation. And, yeah, he's going to be able to go play where he wants, but uh, it cost him $100 million to do it. So I don't yeah. care how rich you are, 100 mil is 100 mil. Absolutely. Yeah, the, 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 the LA, LA thing, thing to me is kind of kind of shocking because, like you said, his demeanor as far as the way he plays and, you know, his attitude off the court doesn't seem like he, that would be a fit. Um but, you know, like you said, the uncle's calling the shots. Um, is that what really soured um, Kawhi and the Spurs? Was it, was it his, you know, his uncle's dealing? Was it mishandled? I mean, what, did, what happened? Because I hear it's the athletic trainer. I hear it's the Tony Parker comment. I hear Ginobili's comments. You know, yeah, we hear the uncle. You know, at the end of the day, and it's funny because we started this thing out talking about how amazing Pop is, right? Um, but at the end of the day, 
and obviously this is this is secondhand, man. So that you can't take this as gospel. Oh, but what I understand was, uh, you know, Pop's still hard on his guys. You know, it doesn't like we said, it doesn't matter who you are, who you are. And Tim Duncan retiring really hurt the organization um, from a lot of different aspects, other than just you know him being on the floor. Um, he was the go-between a lot of times. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, you bring in these young guys, they don't know how to respond to this criticism. A lot of times they're leaving practice thinking, God, this guy is a prick, you know. Mm-hmm. And Tim was the guy to go ahead. He grabbed him, put him under his shoulder, and, you know, like I said, the go-between. He, he, he picked him up. And, yeah. uh, you know, not having that, um, it, it was probably pretty tough, uh, you know, for, for a guy like Kawhi who – um, you know, is a young dude, pro- probably hasn't had to deal with a whole lot of cr- uh, criticism in his career. No, that, that, that totally makes sense. sense. All right, man. Well, uh, this is the part of the show where we let you plug yourself one more time. Shout out your Twitter handle. Um, anywhere that our listeners can uh, find you, find your articles, anything you're about. Awesome. Well, hey, brother, I really appreciate it, uh, you know, once again. But, yeah, my Twitter handle is going to be at Chumbly Colton. Uh, I'll be a writer in the fall for a Texas A&M based site called theother98.com. We're officially launching August 1st, so it's going to be a pretty busy week that's coming up here pretty quick. Um, so we'll be covering everything from Texas A&M football, uh, Aggie recruiting, and Texas A&M basketball. Uh, and then obviously once uh, the spring starts rolling, uh, I'll be covering uh, the Spurs for um, Pounding the Rock. So you can All catch right. me on SB Nation there. But and once again, fellas, I really appreciate the, you know, the time. No, No, thanks thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate your insight. No question. All right, guys, y'all take care. Take care. care.